0: Hey everyone, welcome to one more episode of Roll for Enterprise, uh, the last with me for a little while because I'm off on holiday at the end of today. I'm looking forward to that one. No planes, that doesn't seem like the right year for taking a plane, so we're going on a little road trip. But I'm leaving you in the capable hands of Zach and Mike, plus a special guest who they will announce next week. But uh, since there hasn't been any huge news this week that we all wanted to talk about, what we thought we'd do is everyone bring one topic and talk about it for a little while and just chat back and forth. So the topic I wanted to discuss is tools. The different types of tools that we've been using during work from home, during remote conferencing meeting times, just to make our lives easier and better. So, one thing I've been really enjoying is iPad OS 14. So, I have an iPad Pro, uh, not the latest, the one before that. And I really enjoy it. It's working fine, which is why I didn't upgrade to, to the latest and greatest. But, um, iPad OS 14 brings a couple of very meaningful additions, which, if you haven't looked at your iPad in a little while, you might want to try the public beta. So, first of all, this is beta software, but it is solid. I have not experienced any issues. I have to say, running it on my iPad, there's literally been no crashes, no nothing. I've had worse troubles on my iPhone <laughs> lately in thirteen point six. It's uh, started freezing photos when I bring up the share sheet. So, goodness knows what's happening with that. But no, do you the- have to
1: sign up. For, do you have to sign up for the beta, uh, Dominic,
0: or is it just anybody can can go out and get it? You have to sign up for it, but you don't have to pay for it or anything. You just have to say, I recognize that this is a beta, and I'm not going to complain uh, if anything okay, goes okay. wrong. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it on your carry phone, although I know people who are doing that, but on my iPad, it's fine.
2: Hey, Dominic, how often, and, and what do you do with your iPad mostly? I mean, do you think this thing has evolved now? What do you think 14 is going to bring to it that's really going to change the game?
0: So the big thing for me is the handwriting recognition. So you can, with your Apple Pencil, which you have to buy uh, separately. So yes, the usual Apple sales strategy is in full effect. Uh, But you can now write. And
1: Zach, just for your information, maybe $100, $150 with a very small battery, Zach. Very small battery.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's actually one of the things I would like on the new iPad. Uh, The the new (laughs) iPad Pro will charge the Pencil continuously. That's right. That's right uh wirelessly whereas i've still got the first gen one which you have to sort of plug into the bottom of the ipad like a tail uh but yeah that aside any text field in the whole os now supports handwriting recognition so you can just have the ipad propped up like a piece of paper and scroll away and it makes a pretty decent fist of recognizing it you do occasionally have to tell it no that was not what i meant Uh, But even if you make a complete mess of uh, one or two letters in the word, if it recognizes the word, it'll correct that. And it'll draw a little outline around it. Say, I'm not 100% sure, but I think this is what it is. And you can correct it and guide it. But also within Apple's own apps, within Notes, for instance, uh, you can really mix writing and drawing and even richer things like creating contact entries and calendar entries. And it's so fluid. Uh, so I've always been a proponent, uh, I'll link the blog post I wrote a little while ago, of note-taking with an iPad, because people tend not to like if you take notes on a laptop in front of them, because it creates that barrier, the screen is between you and them, they can't see what you're doing, are you checking your email, or are you actually paying attention, uh, so people tend to react poorly to that, uh, they tend to react much better if you have a uh, you know, paper and pencil, but then that's not very searchable it's not very portable if you left your notepad in your other bag you don't have access to it the iPad is the best of both worlds you can take notes pencil on paper ipad flat on the table in front of uh, in front of you uh, but still looking the other person in the eye. But then it's all fully searchable afterwards. And now it's so much better doing that. So that alone is a complete game changer for me. So,
1: so it's, it's literally taking your your handwriting and converting it to to true text that you would see in a Word document or, or other places, right? That, that's iOS four, 14.
0: 14, yeah. So the GA will be out, So uh, we're expecting it September, October as usual. Uh, but I'm on beta three and it's pretty stable yeah i
1: always think it's a, it's a little awkward when you when you see people holding that ipad taking notes so people tend to go back to to paper and and then i know some people who use like uh special apps um you know i had a live scribe for a while where you write and then it transcribes oh me too
0: yeah app. yeah yeah. but you had to it, use they, the special paper with the micro dots and that was a fun yeah
1: thing. yeah it it all got a little too to clunky right so but but i i will tell you one thing i, I think the ipad is going through a renaissance i mean uh, I, I I know I had like an iPad too, but I, I I'm kind of like you. I have the current uh, iPad Pro, the um, not the latest generation, but the one right before. Uh, I got the case that's a keyboard, and and honestly, we're getting to a point where it's gonna start becoming really close to a, a laptop repla- replacement. And I, I know some people might think, yeah, no no way, but um, you know I think there's a lot you can do on it today that you weren't able to do on it before. So it, it's just become such a such a power powerful tool and um, in, in work uh,
2: these days. Yeah, I was going to ask that. At what point does it replace that? Especially if it's hard to order desktops or laptops for home use right now, with everybody working from home. I, you know, it, uh, for it's me, it like-
0: already is. It's that's my personal machine. Uh, the The MacBook Pro that I have here, this is my work machine. Uh, work bought it for me. I have to hand it back when I'm done. So I try to keep it relatively separate. You know, I'm not paranoid, but the the iPad is is mine. And...
2: Yeah, I haven't seen a push from Samsung or some of the others. It's almost like you know Apple's quietly just evolving this thing, and you know. Maybe, yeah, maybe, I, maybe it's out there. Uh, yeah, maybe it's out there. I just haven't seen it. I just think no. everybody's kind of lost.
1: Yeah, Microsoft's the only competitor there with with the Surface, right? But I think the Surface is really kind of a slimmed-down laptop. So it's no, um, I, I mean, it's just a, a laptop slimmed down. I mean, it does everything a laptop does, but it's got kind of a bit of that iPad portability. But it's still, I find it clunky compared to an iPad. An iPad is just so uh, so
0: portable. Yeah, agreed. That, that's the thing that I really enjoy. And, you know, back in the days when we used to travel, uh, it's also much easier to get out, especially a, the 10-inch iPad, on an economy seatback tray than even a 13-inch MacBook Pro. that I can't quite get it open comfortably. Uh, it's, it's not really usable in that situation. But I had my keyboard, the same as you, the keyboard case. I have my Pencil. If I use it the other way around now, uh, it's it's much more flexible in that way. Whereas I've seen people using the Surface Pro, and it's a very nice device. I love the hardware. Some of the design features, I think, are maybe even slightly ahead of where Apple is. But they seem to do a lot more switching backwards and forwards between different modes of using it. Uh, They they don't seem to have one flow that they can stick to. Um, This is just my experience.
1: You you see a couple of uh, things happening to that to, to that whole market around the surface. First of all, I mean, if you have a surface and something goes wrong, it, it's it's out for a while. I mean, I, I think to um, uh, to get anything fixed on it, it's not like um, a, a laptop that. The Dell comes over HP and just opens it up, replaces a piece. I think it goes back to the Depot, a Surface, and takes a, a, a little while. What, what you're also seeing, and and I'm not a complete big fan of them, is convertible laptops, like laptops that flip completely over and then become kind of um, a pad. But I think the the iPad is, I mean, here's the thing with an iPad. It's, it's always on. It's kind of easy to consume content. And it's starting to become a device that's becoming really easy to create content on. And... I think that's where Apple's starting to make it's uh, it's, it's it's differentiating himself, itself from from other tablets uh, out there.
0: Right. That's always been the debate with tablets. Are they content creation or content consumption? And I think that's the big difference, as you were saying, with Samsung and all these others. Um, a Samsung tablet tends to be a low-end device, fairly low-powered. There's mainly consumption. It's mainly a YouTube delivery mechanism, uh, whereas an iPad is much more, especially an iPad Pro, Uh, is much more likely to be used the way I use it as a primary computer or at least a a full featured add-on to a main computer.
2: So when is the next model going to be released? I think I might dive into this, but I hate to
0: buy one now if one's going to come out in the fall or spring. That's Apple's problem all the time, right? Yeah. (laughs) The Osborne factor. So we're, we're talking about differences between UK and US. Here's another one. Um, the story of Osborne is pretty well known in the UK, but not well known in the US, and it's instructive. So Osborne, Mr. Osborne himself, was one of the pioneers of uh, personal computers back in the day, and he came out with the Osborne Mark I. There was a pretty decent machine at the time, uh, except at the launch, he talked up the Mark II that was coming. He kept saying how much better the Mark II was going to be, and so everyone said, well, I'm not going to buy the Mark I. I'm going to wait for this Mark II. It sounds way better. And so he never got the money. He never got the runway. The Mark II never got built and the company folded. So his name has become a verb. It's a cautionary tale. Don't Osborne yourself by talking about the next big thing. And Apple are usually pretty good about surfing that that wave, riding just the right side of that line. Uh, because that way, you know, you, you buy the iPad and the new one comes out. But it's it's not so different. Uh, I'm on the TikTok Update strategy. I get odd years. I get a new iPad. And I'm actually a couple of years overdue for this one. So I'll probably get whatever comes in October, November, whenever they get around to it.
1: Yeah, Apple's pretty consistent. I think they do a September, October iPhone release and then a spring a spring iPad release, but I, I guess that's all delayed now with 5G and where the the iPhones are coming from and, and the whole COVID factor. So Samsung did release this week. Samsung and Google both released new phones this week, um, powered on 5G. So I guess we'll see the 5G push now
0: uh, starting to to come through in the market. There we go, see if that takes off. Um, so that was one of my tools. The other one, very quickly, is this new app that's still in beta, but I got on the, the wait list um not through any personal connections i hasten to add so by all means everyone should sign up it's called mhm mmhmm um, but what that does is it lets you make a more interesting uh, video conference video meeting setup so you can have your slides behind your face uh, you can move your face around so it's not obstructing the particular piece of content that you're talking about you can have different things appear and disappear on screen but in a very Easy, friendly, playful thing as just one notch up from building the PowerPoint in the first place. Uh, so it's uh, it's pretty cool. Um, although, of course, I have to say, in the usual way of such things, it's already been partly Sherlocked. The latest Zoom update five two zero for people keeping track at home actually adds the possibility to use uh, PowerPoint or Keynote slides as your background in a Zoom call. So you can already do some of what Mm hmm does uh, just. obviously much less sophisticated within your native Zoom client. But I have some remote presentations I need to deliver when I get back from holiday. So I'm going to play around with that and see what people think.
1: You, you know, if that drives anything, it, it will drive the way p- presentations are created. I think if you look at PowerPoint, Google Slides, um, y- you know, it's it's just such an awkward. I mean, it hasn't evolved. Right. And I think it needs to evolve and it needs to to move forward. Potentially, this is what kicks it to to evolve if you're going to do video and slides at, at all at the same time. And, and, and that's kind of the real change that potentially is needed here.
2: Uh, two things. We cannot put Google Slides in the same sentence as PowerPoint. That just we can't do that. that like, no, no, <laughs> no. And then, and, then, and uh, yeah. And then the other thing. How sad is that? Is this the evolution that we're excited about with PowerPoint? I mean, that's pretty bad. So, but yeah, don't don't include Google Slides with that. I mean, Google. I think uh, not to veer off the subject, but you know, Google's. Uh, I'm, I'm not impressed with their office suite. I'm sorry. I know it's cheaper, but I just don't find it to be efficient. I think it lacks a lot of features.
0: No, so. oh, no. I had the, the bad experience earlier this week. I was trying to paste without formatting, which is what you obviously want. Who in the history of mankind has ever wanted to paste with formatting? You want to paste into the format of the destination. Who cares about where it came from? Anyway, side rant. And I always use Command-Shift-V, On the Mac, it's a system-wide shortcut. If you didn't know about this, uh, now you do. You can almost everywhere Command-Shift-V in order to paste without formatting. There are only two places that does not work. PowerPoint, annoyingly, so that's a ding against PowerPoint. But now, and I think this is recent, I'm fairly sure I used to have this working. It's also disabled in Google Docs. I think they didn't used to have the keyboard shortcut, but now it hijacks the keyboard shortcut. And if you're in certain browsers, it works. And if you're in certain others, it just silently eats your keyboard shortcuts and doesn't paste anything, which just drives me up the wall. Why would you do such a thing? Um, yeah. I, I never,
1: I never realized how much hate you guys have for the Google Office set. But all right, all right, I'll take, I'll take <laughs> oh, oh, note, I'll take note. Hold
2: on a minute. Have you used it? Have you used how it for much work? Time have you, have you have spent you, in it? Have you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you been forced to use it? I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I'm, I'm
1: a Microsoft uh, guy through and through. I mean, I'm an Office suite, and it, it works fine. I mean, I, I, I think one yeah, of the things go. that, yeah, I, I think one of the things that Microsoft does really well is the interoperability. Right? They, they put a lot of thought into. Uh, how everything ties into each other and yeah we can argue with that about about teams because there's too many ways to do things but you know from uh from from the core like word excel uh powerpoint it works uh, quite seamlessly so
0: totally, I, I I like Microsoft Office for my personal stuff I tend to prefer the Apple apps I prefer working in Keynotes to working in PowerPoint but it's literally just which flavor do you prefer uh I like PowerPoint I I know how to use PowerPoint uh, the collaboration features are, are great. It's not quite as real time as Google Docs, and that's why people tend to like Google Docs. And for text, I can see the point, but for slides, a they're, they're weaker collaboration features anyway, and b it's rare that you're collaborating real time in quite the same way. It's the PowerPoint collaboration features or Keynote are perfectly adequate. Uh, yeah, hate, but that's it's like programmers. Programmers have deep deeply held opinions on text editors because they spend their lives in text editors. It's, uh, I spend my life in slides.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's crazy when you think about it, office has been around how long, and it's still a big part of every day's, everybody's everyday life at work. It's, it's, it's crazy. And it's a big part of, you know, who they are still.
0: So that was my segment. So we're kind of doing this, uh, Top Gear style. Uh, we'll let maybe the viewers decide who's who, <laughs> the Top Gear hosts. Uh, so we're doing the news. Who wants to go next? Who has more news?
2: Well, uh, I can. I, I want to talk about the wall, the new great firewall between China and the U.S. that was announced in April and expanded this week by Pompeo, the Clean Network. Uh, so you know, before we dive into it, I'm just going to five points out of this. Uh, the first one that he announced was removing untrusted Chinese apps like WeChat and TikTok from the app stores, the U.S. app stores. The second part of that was limiting the ability of Chinese cloud providers to collect, store, and process data from U.S. companies and citizens. Uh, how they enforce that, I will talk about in a minute. Uh, number three, prevent untrusted handset makers such as Huawei from making trusted apps available on their handsets, either pre-installed or in app stores. And the fourth one on that he he brought up, or that uh, they're going to try to enforce, is stopping the Chinese mobile carriers like China Mobile from connecting. To U.S. telecom networks, which would mean if you're a Chinese visitor, you can't roam here. And the fifth one, preventing the Chinese government from tapping overseas cables that connect to the U.S. So, so all of this was announced uh, this week, originally in April, but this week this was added to it. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you, I think you know, <laughs> I think it's going to be difficult to enforce these. I'd be curious how this, how we go about doing this. Um, but you know, is this the right thing to do? I mean, that's debatable, but uh, I think it's something that, that we need to bear because technology is no longer an IT thing, right? We talk about all the time, it's business. Well, now it's government and it's, you know, it's everywhere, right? It's it's the new uh, front, the battlefront. So what say you, uh, Mike and Dominic? The truth, I guess, is, or
1: the right thing to do is somewhere in the middle. I, th- there, there's no doubt about it. I think some of the policies are problematic if you talk to Dominic, it would be good to get your feeling if you talk to European they they tell you like well isn't this what the US has been doing to other countries for for a long time and now it's just kind of role reversal I, I think the bigger the, the 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 scarier thing is is on the app side right so let's think about it like if China doesn't allow Facebook, Google, and, and some of these other apps to get into their world, then we should not allow them to come into our world. One of the the worrisome parts is Tencent was mentioned in, in all of this. And I, I don't know, like, Tencent has a big ownership stake in a lot of gaming, right? They own 100% of Riot Games, 84% of Supercell, 40% of Epic Games, 5% of Blizzard, 5% of Ubisoft. I mean, you you look at that, and where do you stop? I mean... You know, it's kind of like you—you you need to, but you got to be careful on on how it's done. It's it's almost like we're we're playing catch up here. Um, so it's kind of hard to stop something that's already proliferated. Um, so, so Dominic, what's what's the European standpoint on, on all this?
0: Right? Yeah, I mean, as you said, it's uh, it's very much there's an element of bemusement. Uh, hasn't this always been the way that uh, big foreign Uh, Internet companies and uh, equipment manufacturers uh, come in and enforce their own rules. And it's uh, so I think I said in a previous episode, it's sad that right now on at this specific moment, uh, the EU and uh, the US are somewhat estranged because I think it's one area where common policy or at least experience sharing could actually be really helpful uh, just to avoid this. But uh, I mean, the big issue is reciprocity, right? Uh, Because China invests elsewhere and exports and does not allow the same level of inbound investment. Uh, If you want to to sell in the Chinese market, you have to set up a joint venture and you're subject to a huge number of restrictions. And people, not just in the IT sector, talk about uh, IP issues with that. I remember there was a case a few years ago with uh, train sets uh, and Siemens was all up in arms at the new uh, Chinese high-speed train that was suspiciously similar to a design that Siemens had uh, developed. It's uh, yeah. it's a complicated thing, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, and this, you know, but look, this is not just the US. I mean, the UK is removing Huawei from its 5G network. I think this is... I mean, is this something big tech companies do? I think it's my point earlier. This is outside of tech. This is really becoming an issue for China. I mean, this is really, really going to impact China's ability to. Uh, I I don't even know if I could say they've innovated, but you know, their ability to uh, move forward from a technology standpoint. I I think this is very, very serious. If other countries continue to follow suit like that, so I I think it it bears watching. I think there's a lot up in the air right now. But uh, you know, my thing is, you know, how do you how is this going to be enforced? I think that's the biggest thing here. How do we enforce this? What does this mean for the tech companies? Because I think this comes downhill to the tech companies. So, um, yeah, yeah, you're right, Dominic. It's, um, but I do think I think in the EU, um, you know, I don't think the US is alone right now. Is what I'm saying in this. I think there's uh, other. Yeah, follow.
0: and in fact, there's a lot of valuable experience. So the EU has much more comfort with the idea of national champions, and the EU has actually had to work quite hard to mitigate that, so that uh, you know. There was a, a big spat. Uh, what was it last summer uh, between Italy and France over shipyards because each wanted to maintain a strategic uh, capability to build ships, and there was a corporate merger that was going to potentially impact theirs, and the EU had to step in. Uh, so th- there's uh, there's a body of experience there that I think the US uh, might uh, learn from, since there isn't the same the same idea of national champions of something uh, being US specific. Yeah, when I was an analyst, I would probably have uh,
2: five or so inquiries every month from customers. How do we design around the Great Firewall of China? You know, so they've been doing this themselves for a while. I, I don't. I don't think it's going to get uh, better. It's not. Doesn't make it right. Uh, what uh, what we're good. What we're doing right, but it it definitely. It makes yeah. it worse, actually. But yeah, it's... And it's, it may die
0: down. It may die down. I mean, a few years ago, uh, probably around the same time that you were fielding those inquiries, uh, I was on the vendor side for cloud and people were talking about setting up uh, country-specific champions. Deutsche Telekom in particular was going to operate its own cloud. And the big selling point was it was in Europe and it was operated by a European corporate entity. And this was going to be a selling point. It turned out not to be. Uh, people develops a level of comfort with at least being in European data centers, if not operated by European companies. Turns out they don't trust telcos much more than they trust the big US cloud vendors. And so this whole thing may turn out to to be something that can be moderated over time. But certainly China does seem to be on a very aggressive path lately and something might need to change on their side before there can be a more constructive engagement.
1: I mean, they have the, the big China 2025 or China 2035 um, kind of plan, right? So they're a country with a, a big strategic plan. They're all driving the same way. You know, they're looking for dominance in AI in different fields. the the The, the issue that I see here is, you know, now you're trying to roll back something that you've let happen uh, and it's easier to kind of stop anything new from happening but the power and you know they've China's basically emulated a a drug dealer right the first hit was free and now you know now what now you got to pay for for anything coming up so all the apps coming in all the data yeah it's it's all coming it's all coming back they're learning from it I think they're they're really pushing ahead in, in AI probably a little maybe even a little more than the US is or at least what we know the US is doing let's say uh, some of some of the companies here as they uh, they they open that veil of what they're doing so it's um it, it's changing and i think you know if you if you look at it we've we've gone in there the US and and other countries have have prof- uh, profited from from cheap china goods cheap and and we could put india in that in that list too we've built the infrastructure there we've kind of uh set it up and and we've made it very uh sustainable um turning kind of um around at the you know ip theft and and all this and and now it's kind of completely come around so is it too late too little too late i you know time time will tell but I, I think that's part
2: of the challenge so, here So two things here you you just lumped India and China together you've pissed off a lot of people just <laughs> 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 The the second thing is drug dealers. You can come in, you can never get out. Well, that sounds like cloud providers. So I'm going to at them in there with that. And then, and then
0: that's a market looking.
2: Yeah, I'm like you know. And then the third thing is, uh, you know, and this might tie into to, to something for you, Mike. But you know, how does this impact M and A and what whatnot? So I I think we can transition off of this. But to Mike, uh, your topic and also from you, I mean, you know, what? How about M and A guys? I mean, how does this impact that? I think there's going to be a lot going on there. So.
0: Um, I would like to look back to India for a moment as well, because that's a constructive example, uh, actually, because India has banned. Uh, TikTok was the headliner, but there was a whole list of Chinese apps. And so they just stopped them dead in the two big app stores in Google Play and uh, in the Apple App Store. And so that was significant in its own right. Uh, but I think it's did, also-
1: they, did they remove it from people who already had it installed?
0: Is it is they, it that their they, user base couldn't grow? Um, You know, I'm not 100% sure. I want to say they did not actually remove it. And in the Android world, that's harder to do. Uh, In the Apple world, you can actually invalidate an app that's already installed. But I don't think they did that. But as a move, it's already kind of nuclear. Um, uh, Maybe an unfortunate analogy there. Um, The... The other thing about India is it was the the export market that China really went after hard to try and sell its model of the chat app with micro apps inside it that you do everything through. And that hasn't really taken off at all, Uh, perhaps because Facebook was already somewhat present, perhaps uh, particular characteristics of the Indian market, perhaps the Chinese companies could never um, muster the attention for the Indian market, which was relatively small, compared to the gigantic Chinese market that they already knew and were strong in. But again, I think the US could do very well to look beyond its borders and look at other examples around the world of how this sort of thing has has happened and has played out.
1: You're absolutely right on the app side. I think what culturally works in in one region doesn't necessarily work in the other. So that's how um, some apps have taken off in one place. Uh, versus not in another. Uh, then there's some that are more, yeah, I, I guess um, culturally, um, you know, viable everywhere. You know, so take the TikToks, the the Facebooks, and so on and so forth. Uh, I, I guess in the M and A activity, it, it's challenging, right? I mean, though. The, the, a lot of the Chinese companies are still traded on the U.S. Stock Exchange. I guess they're also talking about uh, limiting that as well. Uh, but I, I don't think any action uh, has been taken there. I know the Ant Financial IPO is only going to be in, I, I guess, um, in, uh, in in China that they'll, they'll IPO. They won't be um, a U.S. component to that. So... Um, it's interesting to see there, um, but I guess the big news where I was uh, wanted to talk about this week is this this whole TikTok Microsoft um, kind of I, I guess they're they're dating now and, and seeing if they're they're going to get married. Uh, but the interesting thing is that Microsoft and and the reports coming out of of different um, different news agencies is that they are looking at it from an AI perspective to to train their AI and and ingest kind of the video data. And it's interesting when you start to look at some of their competitors, right? So if you look at who they're, they're challenging, you look at Amazon and Amazon had acquired Twitch. Uh, Google has YouTube, uh, Facebook has video everywhere in Instagram and Facebook itself. So is this Microsoft trying uh, to play catch up? And it's, it's just so fascinating that if you're thinking that this is for the AI aspect of it and to train AI, then, I think you know China has a big advantage here with with what they have in TikTok and their other apps and so on and so forth. And and then it goes back to to kind of your whole thesis, Zach, about uh, this wall kicking up and and maybe it's 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 about uh, taking advantage into the next step of of innovation and and where we're going. What do you think, Zach?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I agree. I think there is, you know, with, that's what I brought up earlier, the innovation side of this, you know, how does it impact that? How does this impact M&A? I, I think I like Microsoft's approach. I, I think that's, uh, that's brilliant, but I also, you know, I think that, um, there's going to be a big impact. So how does that impact, you know, just, uh, you know, innovation, and maybe it becomes like a, you know, Cold War both with both countries or, you know, both, uh, you know, there's, there's two sides and, um, you know, maybe it forces you know that kind of competition, but um, no, I think um, ah, I think there's a yeah. Th- let's say they acquire TikTok to train their AI, but what happens to the social side of that? I wonder about that too. You know, I mean the the, the kids that are using it, I I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings.
1: It, it's it's interesting how um you know how TikTok is geared towards the younger generation and then there are a, a couple of apps that really kind of are missing that uh, that younger demographic in them and I think um exactly. you know they're, they're fighting from the beginning to, to change that mindset uh, clearly.
2: Um, does this kick off a wave of MA is what I was kind of getting at? Does Microsoft lead the way and are there other, you know, other, and then when does the, And you know, let's be honest. I mean, the Chinese government, they've got their hands on these companies regardless. When do they step in, right? And there's other ramifications too for Tencent, you know, so I I just think it's interesting.
1: I mean, the, the Chinese market is, is pretty big. And I, I think one of the mistakes we're making is do we really believe these, these apps will, will fall apart if they don't have... Um, a U.S. component to them or a U.S. market uh, on them? I mean, do, well, we, do we really believe that?
0: Yeah, my understanding is that actually uh, TikTok is not the same app in China and in the rest of the world. So there's a domestic market app, which is called, uh, I'm blanking, I'll put it in the show notes if I find it, uh, which is basically the same kind of idea, but it's a separate system. Um so that part would not be on the table with uh, for the Microsoft acquisition, the, although the scope keeps changing. First, it was going to be US only. Then it was going to be US and a handful of countries. Now it's the entire rest no, of the global. world outside China. Yep. Exactly. Right. Right. Um, so who knows where that will end up? So that that part is already interesting. Uh, the big headache that I would see as a as an acquirer, thinking myself into Microsoft shoes for a moment. Is All of the engineering is in China, and by definition, that would be the part that would be non-negotiable, that that would have to move. So you're taking over a code base, and you have to, uh, in in the ideal situation from the point of view of the people who want this to happen, uh, you would cut off those engineers dead. They would come into work one day, and they would have no access to the code base. Then you would have people go through it with a fine tooth comb to pull out any back doors. And then you'd start building up the skills and expertise to develop the app further. I would have very deep concerns about the, that technical scope. It sounds like a, a screaming nightmare with lots of ways for it to go wrong. Microsoft does have some assets as well because people think about Microsoft and social; they think about LinkedIn and maybe GitHub. It's a very buttoned-down, grown-up services, not at all like TikTok. Uh, but people sometimes forget Xbox. Uh, so Microsoft does have some experience in a young person-oriented social app.
1: Exactly. And, you know, you peel away the layers. So, you know, you think of uh, of the antitrust hearing last week um, or two weeks ago now. You know, Microsoft wasn't there, but that's the right. others were. That's and right. probably the very one that's most... Yeah, very significant. And the one that's probably the most under threat is, is Google. And let's look at Microsoft versus a Google perspective because, you know, you can look at them versus everybody, but let's look at Microsoft versus Google. Microsoft stands to gain on a Google breakup because of Bing. They have LinkedIn, which is social. I mean, I, you know, people think it's not social, but it oh, is social.
2: Definitely, definitely.
1: There's there's GitHub. You, you know, people thought they were crazy when they did Minecraft, but they did acquire Minecraft. I think still doing successful. They have Xbox, so they're in your living room. They have a camera in your living room. And then there's, there's TikTok you add to that. I, I think Microsoft has a very comprehensive strategy around this. And, yeah, I, you know, the others must be looking at this and saying, like, OK, we have Twitch, we have YouTube. But, you know, I, I think you got to fear Microsoft here at this point if they're not coming. I mean, Slack, OK, is complaining that, OK, Teams is ripping them off, but it's it's no different than what, what Facebook does with everybody else. So uh, I don't think that'll that'll stand. But Microsoft here is firing really on all if if you tend to look at the overall.
2: Yeah, I agree. First of all, Slack has to get over themselves. They've had a they've had several years to do something. So just because they didn't innovate or do something, you know, big for several years, don't blame Microsoft. But I think you're right, and this is something, Dominic. I agree with you as well. I said this last week. At what, where is Microsoft? Nobody brings this up. You know, they were not out there. They weren't a part of this. You have to think that they're sitting aside, just like okay, nobody look at us. Just everybody stay away from us. But you're right. I mean, what they're doing here is pretty powerful. So there has to be more behind this TikTok and. Dominic, you said something interesting, the whole gaming side. I, I, I hadn't really thought of that angle, but uh, those gamers, I mean, they're the ones that are tick, using TikTok as well. So it's interesting. You have LinkedIn for the professional network. Now, maybe you reach out over here and, and, and what do you do with that? Well, we've said it before. It's about data, not necessarily the app, but about data. So now you professional, social, very interesting. Yeah, this is uh, this is playing out to be big.
1: The, the data is the key portion here. Yes. Um, that's what everybody's um, after and not so much um, the app or, or how it functions. I think, um, Zach, you mentioned it with like Slack and innovating. I think when you start to look at, at China, the breakup, you know, great innovation happens when there's diversity of thought, um, you know, uh, diverse kind of aspects. Um, if you look at us, we're kind of like all over the place. We have different backgrounds. It, it brings in kind of a, a different flavor to everything. You know, you, you start to look at kind of forcing China to give this stuff up or or, or kind of blocking China and people that are working together stop working together. I, I think it it starts to hurt everybody at some point, right, underlying. Um, you know, the world is flat. It's it, it is kind of like now nationalism ripping into like, Technology, which is driving kind of the whole world forward, um, which is why I struggle with the whole the whole China aspect, right? Um, you know, is there really a right or wrong? I, I don't think there is. They're just like we need to proceed with caution here.
0: Yes, definitely that. What I would hate to see happen is that the internet breaks breaks down, breaks apart, becomes balkanized between a US internet uh, with uh, certain types of restrictions, a European internet with other types of restrictions, and a completely separate Chinese internet. And then other countries around the world, India, for instance, a huge player, have to choose which one they will align themselves to uh, or opt to build their own even smaller balkanized version. It's uh, it's not the future that I thought we were moving towards uh, in the 90s uh, when everyone was excited and starry-eyed. And some of that uh, excitement has been worn away by the realization of uh, the, the bad aspects of the internet. But ultimately, I would have to say, it's still been more of a force for good than for ill, and I would hate to see it break uh, in this way. Do you think it will break, Zach? I mean, what, what what do you think the end result is is here when you start to look
1: at uh, the overall um, kind of thread that's happening? Between the US and China? u.s china but globally too right because it's it's like if the internet starts to to split up which which is possible right i mean there's there's countries with with buttons that can can shut off internet or shut off pieces of it and i i wouldn't be surprised if the u.s has a button somewhere too yeah the privacy shield
0: regulation is also already having an effect on what information can be shared from the eu to the u.s
2: i think it's a problem i i don't i don't like it to be honest i think it um It takes us back you know in time it doesn't bring us forward and you know let's be honest we have we're on the the cusp of something great potentially with all this technology and ai and everything so we can either leverage it together globally and just figure it out like you know little kids you know get in a room and let's figure it out i know everybody says well that's too easy and simplistic but maybe sometimes it it should be simplistic right and uh, everybody figure out how we can do this for the humankind right now we're not looking after humankind um I know this is a technology show. I don't mean to go off track, but right now, it's this is not about humankind. This is about you know just uh, segmenting everybody up, and and uh, it's I, I don't like it. I, I think it's going to be bad. But uh, you know, maybe we can find a way to to turn this around.
0: Let's hope so. Well, pump the original manifesto, what was it? The Declaration of Independence of Cyberspace. Either of you remember that from the nineties? no not at all oh my goodness i'll send it to you we uh, see that's diversity we ran in very different circles uh it's 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 an interesting read especially now in 20 odd years later to see what came true what didn't i'll put it in the show notes as well
2: great that is a great episode thank you guys
1: great talk thank you guys really appreciate it dominic we'll miss you we'll miss you for
0: the next week so i'll listen in from the beach and uh, send you any comments on twitter (laughs) yeah don't work too hard don't work too hard there you go promise all
1: right have a great time guys thanks all